Well, it's wonderful to be here with you in this time. If you're a guest here, we love it that you're here. We don't know how you got here. Maybe you just wandered in. Maybe somebody, a friend of yours, hogtied you, walked you and said, you got to go. Whatever it is. We're grateful you're here. There's a little card in the seat back in front of you. We, we just like a, a, some kind of connection because we believe in that, that this is about connection. And you just put your name on there, fill it out. We won't bug you with a lot of stuff, but we would like to connect with you if you'd like. And if you're more of a tech person, you can go online to timberlinechurch.org or to the app and do that there. And um, let me just say this. I love being around people who are generous. You're generous people. You're generous with your time. You're generous with your praise. You're generous with your resources. These people who are, but by the way, I'll just say this. I haven't said it in any of the other services. This, there used to be a, a TV program called This Was the Week That Was. This is way back. You have to be really old to know this program. And they parodied the news of the week. But in this space right here, this was the week that was. We had soundboard, got it all set up, rehearsal with everybody on Thursday night. And on Friday, there was a power outage here in this block. And all of that that was done was lost. And it's just, we've been praying this thing through all weekend, and the Lord had done it. I mean, well, these guys have done it. And most of these folks are volunteers, whether in the, they're in the media or the sound or here. Or the, would you just give it up for the people who volunteered to make this happen? This is just terrific. But, but thank you for giving of your resources through Timberline Church that go all over the world to help people in desperate need, in desperate places. And we are so grateful for that. And if you wish to give today or this week, you can put the, the, those gifts in the, in the containers in the back. Or if you're an online person, you can go there. There's an app and you can work that out. I'm, I'm a little slow on that. I'm just starting to do that more. And uh, anyway, that's where we're. So here I am and here he is. You say, who is he? This person right here. I met this person right here. His name is Van. Van Clements. I met him 37 years ago. I was president of a small college and our eldest daughter Erica came and said, Dad, I met this guy. This was the guy. <laughs> and then a few years later, I walked our daughter down the aisle to this guy right here. This is Van Clements. He's the lead pastor at Willamette Christian Center, who are, by the way, getting this there, they have it this morning, right? From last evening. And um, 27 years in Eugene, Oregon, which is very much like Fort Collins, Colorado. It's university town, all of that. And the first half of that time was a worship pastor in the last uh, years as lead pastor. And he's our son-in-law. 34 years, four of our grandchildren and our three great-grandchildren all come from Erica and Van. And Van has a gift. He's got a lot of gifts. I'm jealous. But he has a gift in music. And he and I have had the chance to kind of go around the world over time in various places. And, and we've, um, we've done things in teaching and music in places like Cairo and in Germany and Cambodia and some other places. And on a couple of three Easter's up at, up at Willamette. And... Um, we asked if he'd come and help today, and he's been a tremendous help. When you come and do four services, 
that's a help in big time. And I'd like you to welcome Van Clements, if you would. Would you do that? Thank you for your kindness. Uh, I love hanging out with Pop as much as I possibly can. I learned a long time ago that whenever he asked me to do something, I just say yes, because it always leads to something good. I'll meet you know, a four-star general at the Pentagon, or I'll be walking the streets of Old Town Cairo, or eating schnitzel in Berlin, or ended up at the Loveland um, dump dropping off family garbage at 5.30 a.m. I mean, it just depends. It's all about commitment. It's then. right. So it yes. just is always good. And this has been so fun to be with you. My church family is uh, taking this stream in today. They didn't want me, they didn't want to miss out on this because Dick gets to come and speak to us quite a bit. So he's family there. And so we're just grateful to kind of be here. Music and worship. All music is not worship. All worship is not music. I can walk around worship the Lord. I don't need a tune to it. But when I put a melody with the worthiness of God, when I put a tune, when I put notes to words, there's something profound about that. Now, we were talking a while back. I did a little podcast with Van about music, and he said this thing that sort of did this to me. I said, so, because he was born with a brain that has like a musical score in it. He sees his lens as we walk into a restaurant. I'm thinking, what are we having for dessert? And he's saying, that's a pretty good tune to have on the, you know, because you can't buy a pair of jeans or have a meal without music. You can't buy a car without music, right? But you said all music is from God. Yeah, every time you say that, I get a little more nervous. I shouldn't have said that. But I really do believe that all creativity, everything that is good and perfect comes from God. James said that in his first chapter of his book. And I think that we should recognize that when someone has incredible skill, whether their life may represent Christ or not, they're still on a journey for sure, and God's calling them. But when Eric Clapton plays the guitar like he does, it's just good. I mean, it's just, you can't say that's not good. It's amazing. The skill when we got to see Andre Bocelli in the Hollywood Bowl this summer, and he sings an aria. I don't understand a word he's singing, but I'm in. Like, this guy's amazing. That's just amazing talent. And to recognize that God has given the earth the gift of song and music and skill, whether it's on the cello or the ratted out uh, electric guitar. I mean, it's just, it's good. And we shouldn't be surprised that neurologists and neuroscientists say that our brains are wired to music. I mean, I've been in places where babies are born and there's a lullaby, and I've been in a lot of places where folks are leaving and there are songs there. Tomorrow the Queen of England will be buried and there's going to be a lot of music at Westminster Abbey in London because it's the nature of people. We put our, both our dreams and our lament to music. That's how it is. And I'm told that when we're talking like this and you're listening, certain places light up in your brain. But when we sing, your whole brain lights up. Like it's 4th of July. Somebody sent us a little note about that last week. Your whole brain lights up because it's 4th of July. I, and when we sing, we know that this hormone is in our... You say, really, is this a science lecture? It's all the science I know. It's right here, okay? <laughs> and you get this oxytocin, which is the trust hormone. Somehow when we sing together, we automatically kind of connect. When I think of singing, and I think of your wife, Erica, she's our eldest daughter, and uh, Ruth had all four of our children uh, before she was 30. 
And so seven and down, seven years old and down, and Erica was the eldest. And we lived in Urbana, Illinois, was a church planter. And every other summer, we would drive from Urbana, Illinois to California. And we would take big hunks of time. We had Sunday night church. And after Sunday night church, we would load up. Some of you older people remember this. I had a, we had a, like a 1970-something Plymouth Fury station wagon. For those who were younger, that was a conveyance back in the day, the station wagon. And, and, and we'd take off. And we'd drive all night long from Urbana, Illinois, to Shamrock, Texas, which is an hour this side of Amarillo, east of Amarillo. And, but we didn't have videos, we didn't have any, we didn't have seat belts, right? <laughs> and there's a whole, you seat belt people, I'm a seat belt person now, but you, you know, you drive along and you've got four little kids in the car. And, the, and there's, you're breathing on me, stop touching me. And so you're the dad and you're doing this in the back, you're trying to get him to, how many remember this? How many remember doing this? How many remember having this done? You're a bob and weaver. You're one of those people, right? <laughs> and, you know, but what would bring us together is we'd start singing. And we'd sing songs of all kinds. We'd sing church songs. We'd sing, we sang songs my dad taught me from the 1920s, like Mersey Dotes and Dozy Dotes and Little Lambsy Dotes. I mean, crazy songs. And, and we, as we got closer to California, it's California, here we come, right back where we started from, where bowers of flowers bloom in the sun. But along the way, more than once, we would come to this song. This was a song from 1970, and I'd like you just to imagine yourself in the Foth car, almost to California. We've been singing this across Arizona. And uh, we tried to do it in four-part harmony. There were three people who wrote it, a fellow named uh, Bill, a woman named Taffy, so you know it was back in the day, uh, and a guy named Henry. And they, they sang it about a state, but I don't know that any of them had ever been to that state. For sure Henry hadn't. Henry's uh, two last names were John Duschendorf. You know him as John Denver. But this was the song. <laughs> I've been so nervous about doing the you know, Who cares? So I just, this is a song that, well, it goes like this. Almost heaven, West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountain, Shenandoah River. Life is old, they're older than the trees, younger than the mountains, blowing like the breeze. Go with me. Country road, take me home to the place I belong, West Virginia. Mountain mama, take me home, country road. You say, are you kidding me? I came to church and you're singing, take me home, country. What is, are you, like, did you have a little stroke? I mean, what's, what's going on there? What's going on there, it's not about West Virginia. What's going on there is this phrase, which makes it the most popular song around the world today. 50 years later, you can go to Japan, sing in Japanese, go to India, sing it in Hindi, go to Finland, sing it in Finnish. Why? Because there's this deep theme in it that's biblical. They didn't, they didn't know it was biblical, but it's this. Take me home, country your own. Take me home to the place I belong. The kingdom of God is about the place you belong. Home, some of us came from desperate homes or no homes and you've had this longing for a place to call home. There's a Welsh word, hirath, 
which means a longing for a place that perhaps you've never been, but you think it's good. That's the theme here. And when I, when I think about the church in song, all of our songs are about belonging or going to a place, whether it's about forgiveness or grace or heaven or the goodness of God, it's all about a place to belong. I believe that the Ark of the Covenant moment I talked about a minute ago, I think that in part happened because they were taking the Ark of the Covenant home to the place it belonged in God's house and when the people went there and did what they were designed to do everything broke loose there's something about that that touches who we are and and music is is deep I mean what's that verse you got a verse there Psalm 139 says that you were fearfully and wonderfully made David said, your works are wonderful. He created our cortical structure. He created the synapse. He says, I know that full well. See, and when I think about my brain, I think I used to have a Velcro brain. You said something, it'd stick. Now you say something, it goes like that. Would you say that again? Yeah, no, that's just how it is. But when a brain is old or damaged or deteriorating, there are moments that both Van and I have had where, where music shows up. Tell us about when that. When I was time. a young associate at Willamette, 27 years ago, they assigned me to this cult couple, sort of like the, like the stalwart couple in the church, but she had had a stroke, and it rendered her unable to speak and um, get around, and so I was out there all green and not knowing what I was doing, and I met with them, and then over the years just developed a relationship because of that awkward moment and in the later years of their lives, I, as a lead pastor now, I would sit with them and just bring communion to them. And Bill loved to sing. He loved to sing some of the good old songs. And, and so I thought at the end of this communion time, why don't I just start singing? I know he will love it, and I'll love it. And so we just started singing, Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. And Marilee started singing with us. And what you need to know is that she only had two words that she could say at all. She would say, Alleluia. And she would say, see buzzy. Those were the two words that she could only articulate those two things. And she would use those words with certain emphasis so her husband would know whatever it was he was supposed to do. She'd say, see buzzy. Or see buzzy. She would emphasize certain things. So she had two words. And that was it. And now I start singing Great is That Faithfulness. Verse 1. Summer and winter. Verse 2. Pardon for sin. Verse 3. I sang through all of them. And she sings every word. I'm crying. Bill's crying. Marilee's crying. We get done. We're like, that was, that was God. It was a miracle. And she goes, see Buzzy. <laughs> <laughs> I've told you about my friend Denny. Heart attack, rhythmic heart failure at age 28, brain damaged. They said he'll never walk or talk. He did, but he had no memory. Didn't know his hands were connected to his body. I'm his good friend. Doesn't know my name. Doesn't know his wife's name. Doesn't know his kids' names. They're doing therapy with him, trying to get, holding up cards. This is a cup, what's a cup? You drink, what's drink? And you know, nothing is happening. This is six months after he has this. I walk in and I have this thought. Sometimes when you have a thought or a hunch, it turns out to be the Holy Spirit. And I just said to him, Denny, do you remember this? For God so loved the world, he gave his only unique son. And I stopped. And he got this faraway look in his eyes. He doesn't know his hands are connected to his body. 
And he says that if I believe in him, I won't die anymore. I said, Denny, do you remember this? Jesus loved me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And he picks it up on key and sings it all the way to the end. And the nurse about passes out, and I start to bawl. And I, I had told God when this happened, I believe the spirit of a man dwells in the cortex of the brain, and when the cortex is damaged, that person's no longer human. That's why I said that to God. And he's, I'm not, he didn't vaporize me. You know, I'm still here. But it was like the Lord said to me, Foth, the spirit of God in my song is deep in people in ways that even when their brains don't work quite right, there's something profound about that. So I know that that the church sings, but why does it sing? When we talked about this, I said, why don't we just sing while we sing? So Chanel, come on out. And this is a song, uh, the seminal version is Mahalia Jackson, but then uh, it was made really famous during Sister Act 2. But I think it's the words of Jesus that says why we should sing. Try it. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, like the line in there that says, why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home? So, there you are. There we go. When the church sings, something real 
happens in our hearts and our minds. It's not pretend something real. When the church sings, it's significant. You feel something. Something's afoot. Something of truth. Something of life. And it goes beyond the intellect. I don't, I don't know what those people in the temple thought when the cloud filled the temple. I, I don't know if they thought it was on. Well, I don't. It just said the cloud filled it, and they were just overwhelmed in a good way. And those verses again are, he is good, his love endures forever. The temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. What happens when the church sings, something real happens in hearts and minds. And I love this part, glory happens. Because when the church sings, God goes public with his presence. That's how we define glory. When God goes public with his presence, something more than meets the eye happens in a room. We have people come to our church. Maybe they haven't been at church a long time. They said, I just cried through all the songs. What is that? I go, I think that's maybe the presence of God showing up. Maybe that's what it is. But that doesn't happen all the time. No, but you know, I think that the truth is, A.W. Tozer says that the, the presence of God is something that we always want to sense and feel in our life. But it's more, it's less about him not being present and more about us not being aware of his presence. And so when you come to church, ask the Lord to make you aware of his presence. When the people of God gets together, he goes public with his face. Have you had any experiences in your past where you sense the Lord in that way? I have. And, and when we were preparing this thing, we, I was checking out moments in time when I said, boy, that was a moment, you know, just like that. Um, had a fellow between services, by the way, a guy just slightly younger than I am who came to me and said, I need you to know that I learned to sing again this morning because of you, because of this. And so I'm at a, I'm at a funeral service, a memorial service for the mother of a friend of mine who happened to be governor of Missouri. And I'm sitting next to the, I think he was the secretary of education for the state. I don't know that he had any faith journey. I, and uh, we're sitting there, we had introduced ourselves and they had music because you have music in services like that. And um, a 19 year old college student started to sing this song. And when she got like two phrases into it, I look over and tears are running down this guy's face and people were on their feet. I mean, it was, it was just one of those. This was that song. Some of you know it. Sing it, even if you don't know it. Sunday nights we would have services where at the end we would just kind of wait in prayer, a small church, and he'd make me sit, sit at the piano because he needed to get off it so that he could minister and pray for people, and he'd sit down and we want to do this song, and I said, Dad, I don't, I don't know that song. He said, didn't ask you if you knew it, just ask you to play it, and so that's how I learned how to play the piano right there, but uh, 
I remember one of the songs in our, those altar services, learning to play and sensing God's presence with this song. Come, Holy Spirit, I need Thee. Come, sweet Spirit, I pray. the songs are like that. They're songs of request. Sometimes there are songs that just speak the character of God. An ancient Irish poem, 6th century, got lost. The only copy, real copy, it was a 14th century poem. I mean, we're still a long way from here. And 100 years ago, a young 25-year-old university student in England discovered a copy of that poem. And uh, they put a tune to it, and in 1917, this song came out in English. She translated it from Gaelic to English. And in 1917, this song went viral. I, I first really heard it about 25 years ago when I went to speak at a little conference, 50 people in County Wicklow, Ireland, looking over the Irish Sea. And some of you know the name Enya. She's a singer from a family called Clanid. And her sister, Moya Brennan, is a tremendous singer and believer. And she had a little Celtic harp on a chair and she started playing. And a guy with one of those Irish drums was behind her and a cellist over there. And she started singing this song in Gaelic. And then she shifted to English. And I don't have much hair. I had a little more then, but I'm telling you, it was standing straight up. This is that song, sing it with us. thou my vision, oh Lord of my the fourth verse say I king of heaven my victory won may I reach heaven's joys bright heaven's sun heart of my own heart whatever befall still be my vision Oh, ruler of all. Heart of my own heart, heart of my own heart, whatever befall, still be, still be my vision, oh, ruler of all. This past Easter, Pop was with us. For services and we did a new song that's just become one of these I love the old songs and how they've moved me this is a new one that just came out about a year ago and it goes thank you Jesus for the blood applied thank you Jesus you have washed me white thank you 
something happens we experience his presence so Paul admonishes us do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery instead be filled be being filled with the spirit speaking to one another psalms and hymns and spiritual songs from the Lord always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ favorite authors now with the Lord Eugene Peterson lived out his last years up in Montana near Whitefish he paraphrased the scripture this is how he wrote that same passage don't drink too much wine cheapens your life drink the spirit of God huge drafts of him sing him sing hymns instead of drinking songs Sing songs from your heart to Christ. Sing praises over everything, any excuse for a song to God the Father in the name of our Master, Jesus Christ. You know, some, sometimes we say, well, you, you know, I don't know, I, I'm 18 and that's an old song. I said like 1,700 years old, whatever it is, you know. I would submit that when there's songs about God, they are not old or new songs. They are eternal songs. The question is not, are they old or new or when were they? The question is, is it true? That's the question. If it's true and you sing it, you're going to get truer. I don't even know if that's a word. I think it is. Ah, anyway, when the church sings, when the church sings, we remind ourselves of who we are and who we worship. So what does that mean? It means that when we speak the truth to each other through song, it changes. The early church, when they, when they began, they began to celebrate the Lord's Day, which for them was Sunday. But Sunday was the first day of the week, and it was a work day for them. So that means it was like 6.30 on Monday morning for us, getting up, going to a place, standing together. There were no pews, and they would sing to each other. Why did they sing to each other? Because that's how they knew what they believed. They put it into song and they would sing it over each other. And it was like this idea that they would commit to one another at the first day of the week to say, this is who we are. We're a people who love God. We follow the way of Christ. This is who we are. That's what happens here on the weekend. It happens the same in Willamette. We get together. We sing. It's not just a precursor to the message. It's not just the warm-up. It's, it's a way to listen to other people tell us who we are and who it is Man, that we worship. I, I want to butt in here. Go ahead. I haven't done this the other. The, I've been waiting for four services <laughs> to do this right here. I, so you're getting all the stuff we left out in the other services. <laughs> Just want you to know. this is. We have a lot of songs in Scripture. Yeah. We say, yeah, well, 150 psalms. They're all songs. But there are maybe three dozen other songs of varieties and some that many scholars think it. And one of those is John 1, 1 through 18. We call it John's prologue. And they think it was sung. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were created by him. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And it goes on, he goes on to say, he got rejected, but for those who believe, they get to become kids with authority, power kids. If you, this both paraphrase right here. And it says, and he came to us full of grace of truth. 
He dwelled among us. We beheld his glory. If we sang like that, yeah. that thing, that's what you're saying. Yeah. Every week, I mean, that gets into your bones. That's something. Anyway, that's all I wanted to say. People I didn't remember mean to break the it. songs more than they do the message at my church. I hate that now because I used to be the guy they remembered stuff from, but now I'm the pastor. They don't listen anymore. So that's a bummer. <laughs> but when you sing, when you sing, you are actually emulating the Godhead. When, when God gave his first name to his people, he gave the name Elohim. It's a plural word. This was Father, Son, and Spirit. He operates in unity. And he gave that image to us. So when we sing, Scripture says in Zephaniah 3.17 that he sings over us. Matt Redmond wrote a great song about the Father's song that he sings over us. Revelation refers to his voice being like the voice, the sound of many waters. It's musical. It's life-changing to us. He's the God who sings. When we sing, we emulate that. When we sing, secondly, we join with creation. They don't know any better. They, they're not falling, man. They, when the birds sing, when you hear the sound of nature, that's them giving praise back to their creator. That's how they're responding. When you hear in beautiful, beautiful Colorado, we, we think we're pretty beautiful in Eugene, but I won't talk about that right now. I'll just say, when you see it, when you look at those mountains, the scripture tells us that they're rejoicing. It says, we should, in Psalm 98, make music to the Lord. We should let the sea resound and everything in it. Rivers clap their hands. Mountains sing together for the joy of the Lord. When we sing, we're joining with all creation. A song that we didn't start here. It didn't start in Jerusalem. It started in heaven, the very place of God's presence. And last thought is this. When we sing, we actually obey a command. Shout, okay? I'm going, apparently I have the power at this moment. <laughs> this idea, and this verse will be on the screen, Psalm 149.1. Praise the Lord, sing it, or say if it's going to be on the screen. Maybe it won't. We, we've been having tremendous challenges. There it is. Why don't you say that with us? Praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of his faithful people. I grew up in a church that I would call revivalistic gospel church. It's like black gospel. I mean, people got down. I mean, we were we sing and clapped, and the songs were upbeat and peppy. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Oh, say, but I'm glad. You don't know any of those songs, but we sang those. And then I went to Wheaton College graduate school and was introduced to a different kind of song, more hymnody, if I can use that, that um, goes like this. This is one that we remind ourselves of who he is. It says, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to how to say to each other how great is our God we sing with me sing with me how great is our God and all will see how great how great 
God. You ever wonder why we sing that same scene with me? Because we're supposed to sing this say, How great is our God. Everybody sing with me. How great is our God. And all will sing how great, how great is our God. Try this one on. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God. the privilege of being up here and getting all that and when I open my eyes and look around numbers of you are doing this you say, what is that well some people say well that's a sign of strength I give up I love it that when our our girls were small Eric and Bre Jenny I, they were little tiny people I'd run up and they'd say up daddy that's kind of how I see it if you're a Broncos fan and they score <laughs> if Russell comes through you're going yes I understand that people who are blind who have never seen that, when good things happen, they do this. So if somebody near you does that, don't think they're totally weird. They're just cheering it on, okay? When the church sings, we express the community that God has designed us to be. As we sing to God as his people, when we sing about him together, about his character and his majesty and his goodness, and when we do that we reflect the truth that we were designed for community, both with God and with each other, that we are the people that reflect his image. We're encouraging one another. That's why we come to church on Sunday mornings. When God looks out at us on a Sunday, I think he sees a miracle sitting here. Not just the miracles of your life, but the fact that you're here in this room with other people. He sees it as a sign of his mercy that he gave to you through his son. He's pursued every person in this room from the time of your conception. He's called you. Sometimes he's chased you. Sometimes he's disciplined you, loved you. And he knows your name and he knows all of your stories, all of your secrets. He sees no Democrats or Republicans or Calvinists or Arminians. Baptists, Pentecostals, Lutherans, or Catholics. He sees children who have been redeemed through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus. So we see people who have at times in this room hurt each other, but we have chosen when we come together, when we sing the song of the redeemed, to say that we have forgiven and we're moving on. We see a people who would never in this room probably spend time together in a world that was ruled by the enemy of our souls. But we choose to be and spend time together because of the work of grace in each of us. We have something so incredible in common each time we gather to sing. Paul, Paul said it in Colossians, let the 
message of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach each other with spiritual songs and hymns. I, I don't know how that works. He said it. I'm just telling you what it says. But I know it happens. When Jesus, just before the cross, was with the 11 guys that remained, he worked for three years, had 12 guys, ended up with 11. In our culture, we'd say, well, that wasn't successful. And here we are, 2,000 years. I would say it was successful. And he said, I'm going to go away, but I want you to remember me this way. Those of you who have communion elements, the bread and the fruit of the vine. Paul reflects on that years later. Here is Paul, who is what we would call today a terrorist, a religious terrorist. He would kill people like you and me because he thought God told him to do that. That's who he was, and he had this radical experience that totally turned him around. And he's writing to a, a church in the south of Greece called Corinth, which is a wild place. And there's this little congregation in the middle of it, and this is what he told them. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You have that little container and there's a container. Hold that bread part up there so you don't spill the other. Take that piece of bread out. And he said, I want you when you do this to understand that you're my body. Jesus is the head of the body. My body works because of the head, all the signals. He says, I'm the head of the body, but when you, when you step into me, you find a place to belong. When you step into me, you're home. We are his body. We get to celebrate that we get to be together just as Van described a moment ago. And he's, all of you take this, partake with me. And then he goes on. And he talks about covenant. In the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant, new covenant. In my blood, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. New covenant. Jesus lived not in our kind of society, which is what we call the tigin. It's a contract society. You don't get this right, you break it, I sue the socks off you. In his day, they had covenants. If you want to know more about covenants, Wednesday night with Pastor Brent upcoming, it's going to be about covenant. And he says, this isn't the old covenant, this is a new covenant. And it's unique for this reason. This is not negotiated. This isn't a deal we work out. He says, here's the deal. There is no way you can get from where you are in the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. There is no way you can get rid of the stuff. So I'll, I'll do this. I'll do it all by my sacrifice, by my commitment to you. We'll swap out. You give me all your garbage. 
all your stuff, all your history, all that stuff you're trying like crazy to forget. Give me all of that, give me all of those habits, whatever it is, and I'll swap you straight across for all of my goodness, all of my glory, my power, my authority. What's with that? How does that work? I don't know. I just know that it works. And I say, well, I'd like to help. And he says, I'm sorry, that's, that's, not, that's not the deal. Because there's nothing you can do in yourself to get you where you need to go. So I'll make this, this, this is the covenant. I do it all. I'm the king. And you can either accept those things. You can accept those guidelines, those rules. Or you can reject them, but you can't change them. And the simple rule is this, I do it all. Old gospel song is, says that Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. And when we take this cup, when we take it together, we are identifying with that covenant of the redeemed. Let's drink it together, shall we? We're going to stand, no, we're going to end by singing together. Uh, we'll stand in just a minute. Just be seated for a moment. There's a place where we join this song. It doesn't start here. No one starts this song. We're all joining in. And I, There's a place in the Pacific Ocean called the Kiribati Islands where the, the time changes start with them in the new year. And I like to think of the fact that as they begin the morning, the scripture says that where the, from the setting of the sun to the rising of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. That means wherever the sun is and wherever the sun isn't, his name is to be praised. I like to think about Kiribati picking it up first thing and sending it across to Australia, to the Philippines, all over through East Asia, over to my friend in Sri Lanka, and over to the folks in Ethiopia, over through the Middle East and into Africa and across. Hits the East Coast. They, we know they need it over there, the sound of heaven singing across. Then it comes to this place right here. And you begin to sing and join the song of the eternal God lift your feeble, frail voice, or maybe it's a trained operatic voice, and you give it to him. We remind the church of who we are, and we sing a song that we'll sing. We sing it now on our way home, but we will sing it when we get home. It's the song of the redeemed. Here's the phrase it goes. I can wait for eternity. Join the song they're already singing. Holy, holy, Holy are you, Lord. Take that phrase and do it one more time. The same phrase. I, I can wait for eternity. Join the song they're already singing. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. Just to bow down. Just to bow down before your throne. I love this. See your face, I'll cry out. Because you're holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. And he's the center of the throne, so say it. Jesus, King of kings. Jesus. Majesty, 
all stand together and with refrain sing this. Standing with those who have heard well done, proclaiming forever that you're the one who's faithful, 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 you, Lord. What can we give you? What can we give you but endless praise? The heavens roar as we shout your name. It's Jesus, 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 you are Lord. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus, King of kings. Jesus.
we thank you for this day. We thank you for this moment. If there is anyone in the, anyone in the sound of my voice, anywhere on the planet as this goes out around the world, who says, I'm, I don't know that I've ever heard about a place to belong and come home to through Jesus. Or someone who's been away is finding his or her way home. In this moment, let them say, into my heart, Lord Jesus, come here, please, into me. I take your offer that you do it all. We give you praise for that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. So we're, we're almost done. We're right there. Usually we'll say a benediction. I'd like you to say it with me. The prayer team is coming. Some of you have been through challenging times this week. You say, let's not do that week again, or let's not do that thing. But our prayer team is coming. If there's those of you who are in need, you have just something that you need to share and just have a word of prayer with, these folks will be with you. Van and I will be up back there. For those of you who are guests, we'd love, love to say hi or anybody else who wants to come by. But here's the benediction. We're going to say it together. And then the worship team is going to sing us out with the doxology. You can stay and sing. You can walk and sing. You can so forth, right? And we're so grateful for this worship team that has helped us lift our hearts to the Lord. Here's the doxology right here together out loud. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. So there, go in his grace. Have a wonderful week. God bless.